0: what you are doing is creating a service business, right? You're now selling a service, which is monitor that prediction and prevention. And there's a value to that prediction. You know, wouldn't you rather actually get insurance that stops the thing from happening first place rather than waiting for the bad thing to happen and getting, you know, paid for it after?
1: All right, great. Well, I am pleased to be here today with Blake Hill. He is the Vice President, North America Sales for Dacadu. Welcome, Blake.
0: Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, why don't we jump right into it? And, uh, you know, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about kind of what you do now and sort of your background and how that led you to where you are today.
0: Sure, I'd love to explain that because uh, it's not the most uh, you know common of paths. So I'm an actuary by training. Uh, we have been an actuary for geez, it's like over 15 years now. I was just uh, speaking to someone today. It's like you know passing those exams is a long time ago for me. Yeah. So in my role at, as VP of sales for North America at Dacudu, uh, you know primarily working on relationship management, uh, helping customers, the insurance, uh, health insurers, life insurers. Uh, And even broader than that, people involved in kind of uh, bringing wellness to their customers. Uh, My role is to help them understand the strategy of how to do that. Uh, And then our solution, which is some software, uh, we have an engagement application, so an app. And then we also have the ability to take data that we gather through that, or let's say the customer gathers somehow, and we can actually help to assess the mortality or morbidity risks that that has or predict the missing data points. So we kind of work in two different areas uh, of that, and hence why an actuary would make sense to kind of understand that journey. So uh, how I ended up here is actually because, uh, you know, as kind of a normal actuarial career, I started off at a big insurance company. I'm located just outside Toronto in Waterloo, which is, if you know Canada or even the Silicon Valley people would know, this is kind of a, a perfect marriage of technology. So this is like the Silicon Valley of the north here and uh, also a big home for insurance companies. So sometimes we're referred to as the Silicon Valley, sometimes we're the Hartford of the North because of uh, where we sit. So I worked for a large insurance company for uh, about 18 years, uh, traditional actuarial path uh, for most of that, where I did valuation, product development, pricing. Uh, But that led to a role where I actually, uh, having had experience in the group side, individual savings, individual, uh, sorry, group savings, individual savings, individual life, group life and health, uh, I was able to actually become the the first kind of person to bring the Vitality program to life with Manulife So I was the head of the Vitality program, sitting in the strategy department, uh, leading that initiative, and then moved into the, the marketing department chief uh, under the chief marketer uh, in my role in bringing the Vitality to life. So, you know, that's kind of that point where I really took a bit of a left turn in my career, uh, taking something you know, non-traditional, uh, but, you know, really enjoyed that, really had a great time bringing that to life. And, you know, as I say, I saw the light as to this is what I think the future of insurance should be, could be. And that's why I joined Dacadu three years ago to help Dacadu with their journey and effectively help many other insurance companies benefit from what I see as this pivotal change happening.
1: couple of questions. One is, how do you feel those actuarial skills kind of, uh, you know, apply in your current role? And specifically, if you think about, you know, insure tech or you know, a a growth company environment? And, you know, how often do you come across other actuaries who have decided to make the leap into, you know, insurance innovation or insure tech.
0: So I kind of think of it from three different uh, lenses or three different ways that the actuary kind of comes into this realm. So the first is probably by nature, we're inquisitive and want to learn, right? I don't think you choose down the path of becoming an actuary because it's an easy path to start with, right? That's so a lot of studying. But you do that because you're inquisitive. You want to learn. You're, you're excited by the learning. So I think that is overall the, the kind of driver. Uh, you can continue to see yourself taking different, you know, a lot of us don't stop learning. We keep in, in uh, learning do, in different things. So that's the first one I'd say is kind of the primary. Trying something new and different is not that hard for us. Uh, the second, I think, is more that within the insurance system actuaries are often a bridge so we are the bridge between the sales t- team the product team and the finance team when we're doing product development in the financial side it can be the bridge between the financial earnings the capital the you know all the different uh, auditors uh, and more recently it's probably actuaries are a bridge between data scientists and the business right we, we're the ones that understand that this is what's happening technically but this is what it actually means to the business right so you're kind of that trusted source, right? Like, kind of like, you know, a CFO typically uh, is that trusted source for guidance and strategy. The actuaries play that role within the business in a lot of places.
1: So don't don't take this the wrong way, but um, I like your bridge analogies. But some I've talked to who don't come from an actuarial background might argue that actuaries are not a bridge, but they're a bit of a wall. Um, between folks approaching from a data science perspective, um, you know, being able to kind of uh, really be able to showcase from a business case point of view what they can do. So what would your response be to that?
0: Well, I was laughing as you mentioned that, because you're not wrong, that that is the perception of actuaries. And, and the reason I was laughing was my own personal story. With me, me, you know, uh, having the conversations with my employer, Dacudu, having left a big insurance company, I had to convince my CEO that I wasn't the stick in the wall. I wasn't the problem. I was actually the solution to his company, right? Because he kept saying, Oh, every time we go into a meeting, the actuaries are the ones that stonewall us and tell us we don't know what we're talking about. And I said, Well, wouldn't it be better to have someone on your side to help you with that? Right. Rather than hitting that wall and not knowing what, what you know where they are right, where they're wrong, you know, what they're kind of where that little wedge is to get inside and, and actually open that conversation.
1: So and in terms of um that you know what that means in practice you know and what that means sort of translating maybe some data science concepts into the language of actuaries or or truly bridging the gap what what you know what do you find to be most effective or you know how you can add the most value in that way
0: you know the example i always tend to bring up was uh in an underwriting review the, you know, why do we ask about HIV on an application for insurance? Nobody ever answers yes. So we should stop asking this question. Well, that might be a data science view that like it's an irrelevant question because it's never actually predictive of anything, but it's got a very different point of view from an underwriter. An underwriter is like, well, of course we have to ask that, right? It's a, it's more of a sentinel. We have to find people that have it. So you, you can understand po- both points of view. And, and that's kind of that role that like in a, your own silo, you might not get the context, and I think again actuaries understand the the finance implications the risk implications the kind of actuarial statistical analysis behind things what it means to the advisor the customer the claims person, and that's kind of like you you're the central node for so many areas that when you when you understand that that's a value you can bring you can actually leverage that capability you have
1: you know so you 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 know you helped roll out vitality and now you're you're doing your work with Dacdo. do is the, is the goal, you know, you're talking about managing risk. So is the goal sort of about better managing risk or is the goal about preventing risk and sort of changing behaviors or, you know, sort of all of the above? Can you elaborate on that a little bit more?
0: It's all of the above and more, which I'll try to explain from a context of a platform. So I think the first is if we look at parallels, uh, so I operate primarily in the life and health, doing health engagement, uh, and I'll explain kind of the, the entry points and what that means. But if you kind of look to what you know on the, the PNC side, so say house insurance, flood insurance, and how today flood insurance, a lot of times what they're trying to do is actually install those devices at the main water in your house that will set off water or have sensors in the, in the floor that will you know monitor and alert for any like flood damage And in that world, they're trying to take insurance from this this kind of notion now from changing it from repair and and replace to predict and prevent, right? And it's easy to visualize that back to the water sensors, right? That's the whole purpose. What does that mean for the insurance company, right? If it means paying less claims, it also means charging less premium. So it becomes a bit self-defeating, right? You're actually not growing your business from a traditional repair and replace business, what you are doing is creating a service business, right? You're now selling a service, which is monitor that prediction and prevention. And there's a value to that prediction. You know, wouldn't you rather actually get insurance that stops the thing from happening first place rather than waiting for the bad thing to happen and getting, you know, paid for it after? There's value to both. They're both necessary, but you actually can see the value in the service. So that... and. Changing the insurance business from a pure risk business to a service business is a, right. is a big piece of what we're trying to get insurance companies to understand. Now, why would the user care on the life and healthcare space, right? So this is the bigger picture. If the world has moved to platforms, right? If I said entertainment, you would say, you know, Disney, Netflix. If I said e-commerce, it's eBay, Amazon. If I said health, who is it? And that's funny that you can't naturally, if you might have one or two ideas, but we wouldn't have the same idea. We wouldn't have that one name, those two names you you throw out there. Why is that? It's not for lack of money. There's lots of money being spent in the healthcare space. It's the largest employer in the US. It's the largest employer globally. The most amount of GDP is spent there, lots of money. It's not for lack of demand. Every human being on this planet, whether they say it out loud or not, cares about their health, right? Yeah. If you're taking care of it or you're not taking care of it, you're still aware of your health. So what is missing? What's missing is one critical thing. Trust. So who is out there in the business of trust every day? Life and health insurers. They are the incumbents in this model. I mean, they they, they sell the idea of repair and replace, but you take the money today for a promise of something later. That transaction you're, is, is all based on one thing, trust. Yeah. So if you build this platform of health and wellness, it's about prevention in the health and wellness, in healthcare and in life insurance. Let's get people to actually... Uh, Make those changes, maintain their healthy lifestyles that they've got. It's also about bringing more people into the insurance tent. If you're a diabetic today, you probably have an idea that I can't get life insurance, or if I can get life insurance, it's going to be really expensive. So why don't we actually let those people into the tent of insurance, the pool of risk, and help them by, you know, effectively supporting them along the journey of their health, their diabetes. And if it continues to erode, then their prices will have to go up. And if they choose to self-select out, well, at least they have the chance to come in before they opted in. So it's, to me, it's more than just prevention. It's also more inclusion into this space. And then ultimately, because you have this platform and you have these services, that service know, that service angle to the insurance business continues to get bigger and bigger, right? You can offer more and more services of value to the customer in this platform around health because who else is going to do it? I t- We started the conversation by saying there's no platform today. Health and life insurance can own this platform, play a major role in it at least. And once they have that trusted relationship, you can expand upon that service revenue for the customer. And the customer is willing. Customers come to the, the platform because the same reason you go to Amazon, it's the one stop, I can get what I need. Imagine you had that one stop, I can get what I need for my health off uh, from a platform.
1: Yeah. You dropped one little nugget where you said, you know, if you're an actuary, sort of try to try to get out and touch other areas of the organization. But just, you know, for someone who wants to get more involved with innovation, someone who wants to get more involved with insure tech, any any other, you know, points of advice that you would give them? Uh,
0: I guess two things. One is be curious. I think I've mentioned that a few times now, but, but I really mean that, right? Like you can be, I saw a lot of actuaries in my past that sat in pricing, you know, product development. And they never really ask the question what's why does the consumer buy this? What's the angle that an advisor uses to sell our product versus the competitors? Right? They just think that it sales just magically happen, right? Like, but there's a there's some, you know, advisors are really good at their craft. Figure out what that is, what makes it work? What's the you know, that's just one example. Get curious across the entire chain. How, why does it make decisions the way to do? How does the database work? You know, what's the what's the you know the critical thing that stops us from innovating? because of an IT, you know, infrastructure that we've got. So that's one. And then really the the, the more important thing is, you know, understand that you're trying to move things forward, right? Always, right? We're always trying to get from here to, you know, from where we're at to some point in the future. And a lot of times, you know, the innovation strategy people, they're five years out in the future, and they are totally disconnected from the reality of today. And that's okay, because you need dreamers. You need to have the people, that Actually, go okay. Well, here's how we can get to, here's where we can get to in one year, three year, five year, and 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 make it tangible chunks. And then it becomes project management, and the role of the actuary is to figure out how to get you know what is those things we have to change and what can we actually manage, what can we let loose on what what are like you know immovable objects in our business, and everything is an immovable. Back to your point, the actuaries are that wall, it's sometimes like, well, this is the thing we can't change, and they, and they 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 die on that hill, right? rather than saying, okay, this is the hill in front of us. What's the what's the left turn that gets us around this hill? And that's how actuaries need to start thinking to be innovative. This is the thing we can't change. We can't we can not not ask about HIV, right? We get it. What can we do to go? And then if, what's the other thing we can do then that actually keeps us on this path of change?
1: Got it. You know, there's a lot of mindset issues and shifts that need to take place, but uh, you know, it's interesting stuff and really appreciate you taking the time and the perspective you share.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot Josh. This is this has been great.